0: Hello, Three Things listeners. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining us for three more things that I hope have something to do with your life. <laughs> this thing is uh, growing some momentum, and man, I really appreciate you listening, um, especially those of you who have hung with me over our first uh, six or seven episodes here and keep trudging along. Um, Man, I just wouldn't have believed this could be what it has become. Um, and trying really hard just to keep it organic and keep it real. Um, you know, the uh, I, I do understand. You know, the temptation to kind of cater to an audience and try to get more listeners, and I understand all that, especially over the last few weeks um, as uh, things have gotten out on Twitter and. I've gotten more listeners. It's um it's hard to kind of not start pursuing more listeners just for that sake. Um but here's the thing. I got nothing to sell. I have no book to sell you. I have no speaking tour. I've got nothing like that. I'm not against any of that. Um but I don't have anything. I have no uh ulterior motive. I have no agenda for this other than a couple things. One is just to um to kind of create a space for my own verbal processing and thinking. Um, and that's kind of how this started. It was a catharsis for me. And then I hope to lead you guys to a new way of thinking, um, or maybe, maybe not a new way of thinking, but at least a um, different perspective. Um, so I'm going to continue today, um, not based on what I think you want to hear, but based on what's going on in my heart and in my life, um, I was uh, recently named creative director at the the company that I work with and um, really kind of turned my life upside down at work anyway. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about because my life is so, revolves so much around creativity at work. And I think about this podcast and I think, what could be less creative than the name Three Things About Something? (laughs) And it's just true. There's so many more creative ways I could position all this stuff. Um, But what I'm hoping to do, especially today, is take these big topics and just boil them down to something we can kind of get our hands around, at least something that that has helped me. Um, And today, as we talk about uh, Three Things About Love... Um, man, I could just go literally, I mean, almost anywhere with this topic. Um, there is so much surrounding the, the conversation of love, everything from who you should love, what kind of person, what kind of thing, what love really is, who creates it, um, is it a thing or is it something we make up in our brain? Is it spiritual? Is it, I mean, there's so many things we could grab, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to create a different perspective on this today um and here's the here's the truth about this thing i don't know where it's going to go for sure i got about four pages of notes um and it doesn't seem all completely uh in line with a with a sermon or a lesson or anything like that which i think is good Um, but I really don't know where this is going to go. It's a little bit of verbal processing and a little bit of a concept that I hope just leaves you with a different way to think about love. Um, thank you for listening. So what is it that could cause a teenage boy to scream air supply lyrics at the top of his lungs? That was me when I was 13, 15, 17. What would cause a clear-thinking woman to binge-watch Hallmark movies during the holidays? Or now you can watch Hallmark movies all throughout the year. What would cause a full-grown man to weep uncontrollably during a preschool graduation? Again, <clears throat> me. What would cause a college student to sell all of his earthly belongings and buy a 0.125 carat diamond? <laughs> The answer, of course, to all those questions is a four-letter word, love. We can't draw a picture of it. We can't create a statue of it, really. We can't see it. We can't touch it. We can't hear it. All we do is see the consequences of love. Like, all we can do is see where love has been and then sort of take in all the shrapnel And the path of destruction that is left by love. The Beatles said it's all you need. Ewan McGregor in one of my favorite movies, Moulin Rouge, said it's the greatest thing you'll ever know is to love and be loved in return. Jesus said all of the religious behaviors, all of the church rules, all of the best ways to live, boil down to one thing, and that is love. So... I wanna to turn to our three things and say what are what are three things that that I can do that three ways that I can think about love that will begin to change my perspective, begin to shape the way um I treat love, the way I treat the people I love around me. Um and I, I hope these take us somewhere today. I I would say I am as disorganized with where this is going as I've been in any one of these. Um, I worked really hard, I spent a lot of time, and then at one point I just decided I just got to go with this. So here's where I'm going. Um, I got three things that I want to share with you about love today. The first one is this. Love is the truest thing on the earth. That's a big statement, but stop and think about it a minute. Love is the truest thing on earth. Here's what I mean by that. We can argue about a lot of things as humans. We can, we can talk about how the earth was created. We can talk about science and religion. We can talk about politics. And we can talk about all of these different things. But at the bottom of it, the vast majority of clear-minded humans agree that at the bottom of everything in our life, love is worth everything. That it is the truest thing. It's the thing we all pursue. That's the good thing that we all know of. Every tribe on earth knows it. No matter what language you speak. No matter what religious ceremonies you take part in. No matter what you do in this world. You love your children. You love that spouse or that significant other. You love your sibling in one way or the other. There's somebody in our lives no matter what we share in common or what we share that differentiates us we all share this sense that at the very bottom of of all of it is this pursuit of love you know i realized i was watching a show um didn't actually get through all the first one i'm not very good at television shows i know everybody's doing it i want to binge watch these things i just i'm i'm trying really hard and the latest one is jack ryan um, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's John Krasinski, who I love from The Office. And so I decided I was going to watch this thing, and uh, it's great. I mean, it's really well produced, really cool. It didn't really grab me to want to watch a bunch more, but it, it there's a bad guy in it. You know, there always is. And one of the things you see is how much this bad guy loves the people in his life, his family. Um, his wife his children his brother um, and how it, it makes me feel as though I have as much in common with the bad guy as I do John Krasinski <laughs> like, in a way I start to feel for him and I start to resonate with the bad guy which is which is great storytelling it's intentional and that's what we it brings us together and it, what it reminds me is even those who hate for a living even those who are are pursuing terrorist endeavors love they love their kids they love their family sometimes it's what drives their hate and i'm not saying it makes it worth it i'm not saying it is somehow um that somehow it it validates their hate what i'm saying is it is something we share with everyone on earth it is the truest thing on earth it is the bottom of everything in fact right now right now wherever you sit whatever you're on your way to if you're on your way to work and you're listening in the car if you are sitting somewhere with your airpods on and you're in a starbucks somewhere and you're looking around it's one of those surreal moments where you can see people living life but you're kind of taking a step back for a minute and you can see the people in you wherever you are right now If you have lost perspective on the fact that at the bottom, love is the truest thing on earth, then right now, think of the purest love you can think of. I know this is starting to sound cheesy and like my own Hallmark movie, but man, this works for me every time. Just sit wherever you are and think about the purest love you know of right now. Maybe it's a love you have for your sibling Maybe it's a love you have for your son or your daughter. Don't think of just the high school love that you had that maybe came and went. Um, if you're a high school student, think of that one. Um, it may go. But think of the purest love you can think of and take a deep breath. Here's what it does. At least this is what it does for me. It It reminds me of my priorities or what, at least what they should be. It reminds me of the to-do list that I have set up in, in my on my computer, um, I've got a, a to do list that's that's you know stuff at work, stuff at home, stuff for my business, my own personal business. All of these things I've got these big long lists of, and they all become the most important thing in my life until I have a moment where I think about the purest, the most obvious, de- deep love in my life. I mean, the one you have for your daughter or your son, and. The way they love you back. It gives you this deep breath that there is meaning past our to-do lists, doesn't it? It gives you this sense that there is something bigger than us. In fact, that'll be number two of the three things I want to talk about today. Is that love is bigger than you. It is bigger, even though you can engage in it, even though you and your son or you and your wife or you and your spouse, you have this love that you can't really explain to anybody else and you share it just between the two of you. It is somehow both tangible, personal, and real, and at the same time, much bigger than you. It's bigger. Even the best love songs fall short of how great it is. Even the most heartfelt eulogies can't make it feel less awful. The best thing in life is to be loved. The worst thing in life is to be heartbroken. The best thing in life is to have a baby. The worst thing in life is to lose a child. It's contradictory. It's simultaneously wonderful and awful. It is completely tangible and yet absolutely misunderstood and absolutely unable to be understood at the deepest level. Not only is love the truest thing on earth, it's bigger than us. It doesn't need our approval. It doesn't need us to feel good or to feel bad. It simply is. I'm going to get through these fast because I've got a long way to go today, but if the first thing I want to talk about is, the tr- is that love is the truest thing on earth. The second thing is that it's bigger than us. And the third thing is this. That it's worth pursuing even if we can't fully understand it or control it. I mean, this is how the Hallmark Channel makes money, by the way. That, that, that we have this shared feeling that even washed up actors from 80s sitcoms can deliver a cheesy line about love. And make us watch. They can. Because there is something that is worth pursuing about it. No matter how bad it hurts. No matter how much it screws you over at times. There is something worth pursuing. This is why wedding chapels and divorce lawyers both make a lot of money. Right? Because divorce divorces keep happening. Love keeps failing. And at the same time, love keeps succeeding. And, it, and we all know it's worth pursuing. Love seems... To be bigger than humans, it is bigger than you, but it is worth pursuing. <laughs> These three things have led me to a conclusion that's going to take an open mind to talk about. Um, this is one of the things about this podcast that has been difficult for me, to be honest. Um, I've gotten so much support, so many nice comments, and maybe at times, eh, maybe not equally, but a lot of hard conversations that I think are just as important to be honest. A lot of people, um, I hope you're still listening if you feel this way, but some of you disappointed in me, um, which I was somewhat surprised about. Um, maybe because of a way that I see God or a way that I talk about God or conversations that I start, um, I'm a little bit nervous that that's going to happen again, but at the same time, I think it's really important when I talk about what I want to talk about today. It's going to take an open mind. It's going to take you um, maybe disagreeing with me. One of my favorite quotes, you've heard me say this before, one of my favorite quotes is that the mark of a mature mind is to be able to to consider a thought without accepting or rejecting it. Would you have a clear mind? Would you have a mature mind and be able to listen to what i'm going to say and maybe not go yes i agree and maybe not go no he's an idiot (laughs) you might do both one or either of those later but can you listen without accepting or rejecting this concept so with those three things in mind that love is the truest thing on earth that it's bigger than us and that it's worth pursuing even if we can't control it and even if it sucks half the time here's what i would like to pursue today And I'm not the first one to do this, by the way. I'd like to to talk about the thing that we just mentioned. The thing that the Beatles sang about. The thing that made Paul McCartney so much money and Michael Jackson so much money. The thing that made Air Supply a common name in the 80s and the 70s. I believe it is God. The thing they sing about, the thing that you pursue, the thing that is the truest thing on earth, that thing that is bigger than us, the thing that is worth pursuing, and sometimes it, it it's completely uncontrollable, completely feels wrong, and other times it feels like the rightest thing ever. That is God. You can't see it? You can't touch it, but just like we think of love, you feel God more deeply than anything else on earth. It's the thing we're all pursuing no matter what we do, no matter what language we speak or how we worship. It's that thing that's at the very bottom of life and we call it love, but semantically it really, I believe it is that. the 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 thing that's at the heart of many of our religions and that is the divine that is god i'm not the first one to say it i'm not the first one to believe it in fact you probably maybe some of you may be disappointed at how i set this thing up because you're going oh yeah john said that right a writer in the bible in first john chapter four um this writer lived in ephesus we think um and had a lot to say about Jesus. He wrote one of the Gospels, and then he went on to, um, the Gospels are the, are the books of the Bible that, that kind of just count the life of Jesus, that go through um, what we know to be the life of Jesus. And then he goes and he talks about after Jesus dies, comes back to, to life, and then, and then goes to heaven, what that meant to everyone else. Um, and what does that, what does that mean about how we should live? And so he's, he writes this book to a group of people who are trying to figure out how to be Jesus followers after Jesus has left the earth. And so he says this, he says, anyone who does not, let me see, read that again. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And you've heard it. You've heard that before. Most of you have heard this before. If you've ever gone to a wedding, you've probably heard the phrase, God is love. But all it takes is to switch the words around just a little bit. And it changes our perspective. If God is love, could it be true that love is God? That that thing you feel for your daughter even as work sucks and even as life falls apart and even as the landlord kicks you out of your apartment, everything seems to be bad until you think about the way you love your daughter. What if that thought is God personified in your life? What if all the conversation we have about belief where we say you can't touch it and you'll never be able to quite prove it and all of those things, the exact same conversation we have about love. You can't touch love. You can't see love. You can't draw a picture of love, but you know it's real. Wow. God is love. Love is God. John says later in that same letter, he says, God is love. He says it again. And then he says this, whoever lives in love, lives in God. And God is in them. I mean, you have to read that slow because it is so profound. And if you think about it with a clear mind, and you take all of your religious preconceptions away, and you just think clearly for a minute, whoever lives in love, That is whoever chooses love before they choose other things. That is whoever chooses to make love the very base note of their life. The thing that everything else is based on. The priorities are changed in your life because of love. The way you love is what you're known for. Whoever lives like that lives in God. They are choosing to live with God. And whoever then chooses to live like that, has God or has the divine inside of them. If that is true, friends, then what does that mean about our church experience? What does that mean about religion? What value does it have for us to gather in groups of people who believe like-minded things and who obey certain rules? Unless it unless it expresses itself in the heart of what God actually is, and that is love and then John says this this is how love is made complete among us you could say it this way this is how god is made complete among us if you're having a religious experience right now if you're if you're pursuing god if you're pursuing the divine no matter what you call god no matter what name whatever semantic you give him if you're pursuing god or her whatever you're doing to pursue the the deepest truth in your life right now. It will be made complete when you choose love. Not when you choose love because it's easy. Not when you choose love because you, because you uh, are blood with this person. But when you choose love, even when it's hard, when you choose love because it is at the base of our lives, that's what makes our pursuit of God or the divine complete. Now, if you've ever been a wedding um, in the last 10 years, you have definitely heard this piece of scripture. Even if you've never re- read the Bible, even if you don't believe the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is called the love chapter. I would like to change the name of that. Now, before you get worried about my uh, the way I see the Bible, which you probably have good reason to be, I the the little headings that are in your bible that they're the headings before each of those paragraphs those weren't there when they were written those were put there for us to have easy ways to to see the bible and be able to navigate through it so we call this the love chapter a lot of people call it a lot of different things i'm starting to think of it as the god chapter like a description of god um 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you've heard this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it doesn't dishonor, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in the evil, but it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, it never fails. And then there's three things that remain, and if you're at the wedding, everybody goes, ooh, and the bride smiles a little bit, and, and those last three things the pastor says with real passion, he says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And if he does it well, he ends it with, and that's what we celebrate today at this wedding, right? We've all heard this, and it is passionate and it is moving because we all believe that love is at the bottom of our lives. Okay? But I want to read First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four, differently than you heard it at the last wedding. And let's just have an open mind. Okay? First Corinthians thirteen four says, Love is patient. God is patient. God is patient. God is kind. God is patient. You know what it means? It means that you're worth waiting on. That's what it means. It means you're worth waiting on. One of the things that I'm learning about God in my life and love is that no matter how frustrated I get no matter how far I fall from the path that I want to live there stays God not turning his head in a passive aggressive way not finally had it with my bad choices because somehow some way not because I've earned it or deserve it but it's being proven to me that God is patient, that He believes I'm worth waiting on. And when I when I catch that, when I get it, when it when it resonates with me at the deepest part of who I am, and I realize that it it can permeate my soul. You know what it does? It makes me have more patience with Reese. Whom I, When I think of the purest kind of love, that's the face that pops up into my head often. I've got a few options. But his little face pops up into my head when I think of the purest kind of love and I need perspective. And i got to tell you, as much as I love him, sometimes I just want to squeeze his little head when he can't figure out how to put his shoes on at age 10 because we're, we're going to be late for school again. And I say it again and again and again. Reese, get your shoes on. Reese, why does it take you so long to get your shoes on? I can't believe you're 10 and you can't tie your shoes. And then I remember, what if love, what if the divine, what if God were looking at me while I was trying to do that thing that I should have figured out by now? What if he were to look at me and go, I just do it. I can't believe you've... Got through this life to this point and you still can't do that thing. But he doesn't. He waits because I'm worth waiting on. Love is patient. God is patient. And if I can understand that in my life, if I can keep pursuing it to a point where I realize that God is not tapping his foot waiting for me to get my shoe tied, then it makes me treat my son differently. And in that moment, John would say, that's what makes my pursuit of God complete. When I understand it in my life and then I choose it, For my son. Now my pursuit of the divine is complete. I didn't sing a worship song. I didn't take part of some sort of. uh, Communion experience. All of those things could be valuable. But the truth is what makes it complete. Is when I take love. And I realize what it's done to my life. And I give it to the person. That is in front of me. Love is patient. You're worth waiting on. Love is kind. God is kind. What if you believed that? What if you believed that God wasn't a police officer in the sky ready to arrest you? By the way, most of the police officers I know are actually really nice people. What if you believed that God wasn't standing with a ruler ready to slap you on the wrist, but that God was kind? First and foremost, the default. The idea of kindness is that I would loan you my strength with no strings attached. See, it's, it's not kind to sell someone a sandwich for, at cost. It's fine. But the heart of kindness is to give someone a sandwich with no strings attached. Who really needs it? The idea of kindness is that I will loan you my strength and it won't cost you anything. I will give of myself something that I am strong in just because you're in need. Love is that way. God is that way. Paul keeps going. He says love does not envy. Replace that word with God. God isn't the picture that many of us were given on a flannel graph board in the 80s. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. You know what that means? It means he doesn't impose himself on our will. God could have built us with a pull string, (laughs) You know, where many of you don't, maybe not even know if you're young, you don't even know what a pull string doll is. But when I was a kid, you'd have these dolls that you'd pull the string and they would speak, you know, and if God wanted to create us and he wanted this, it it, the God that, that many of us grew up believing in. Um, is who we believed he was when we were growing up, then he could have created us with this string that we pull and it just basically we would say, I love you, you know, and there would be this kind of a no choice. But he doesn't dishonor us in that way. He gives us this choice that allows us to be honored by his love. It's not self-seeking not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs. The Old Testament says he keeps the the, the mistakes that we make in our life as far as the East is from the West. Isn't that beautiful? That love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And then here's the long sentence. God always protects. God always trusts. You know, the idea of God trusting is that even in the midst of trials, even when we look at the sky and scream, he knows what's coming. Always trust, always hopes, that optimistic love, that thing that things at the very bottom are going to be good, always perseveres. God never fails. Love never fails. The concept there is that you won't ever be disappointed. That's not the pro. That's not the concept. The concept is not that you won't always get what you need or or always get what you want out of life. The concept there is that love never fails to be the thing that is worth pursuing. God never fails to be the thing that you want to pursue, even when you don't understand, even when you're not sure it's real, even when it's broken in your life. And then Paul says, and now these three things remain. So in the midst of everything in life and all of the things that are going on, these three things remain. Faith. And faith is just choosing to believe that there's more to life than what we can see. Hope. Hope is optimism and the default in our life that things are good and will end up good. And then he says, and love, which is God. But the greatest of these, and by greatest he doesn't mean just best he means the most important he means the one that rules all of them the one that changes everything and that is the greatest of these is love is god it's that thing you're the deepest part of who you are when you're sitting on the porch swing on a saturday afternoon And you look out and you have this moment where all of the rest of life comes into perspective. And the things that matter most rise to the top. It is that moment that what you are experiencing is the divine. It's in that moment when you see the face of the one that you love most. The purest love that you can find. It's in that moment that you're experiencing the divine. Love slash God is the truest thing on earth. It's a violent force that's true for every human. If they choose not to love back, even. Love slash God is bigger than us. We don't and don't want to fully grasp God or the divine or even love. Anyone who pretends to fully understand God, you should stay away from, by the way. Anyone who wants to tell you that they've got God cornered or they figured out this thing um, has has selling you something. Anyone who claims they can prove the existence of God doesn't understand it. Because it exists out of our senses, just like love. It exists outside what we can touch and what we can feel and what we can hear. Love slash God is worth pursuing, even If it hurts, or it makes you mad, or it makes you frustrated, it's worth it. I don't know if if it does it for you, but for me, thinking of love and God as the same thing changes some things. It changes some of my favorite songs. Air Supply, I'm All Out of God, I'm So Lost Without You. (laughs) That's lost on you if you're in 8th grade. Moulin Rouge, one of my favorite movies. The Greatest Thing You'll Ever Learn. Is just to love God and be loved by God in return. Great line from As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. You make me want to be a better man. Here the thing, here's the thing about love. When you choose love, it makes you want to experience life better. It makes you want to be better at life. This should be obedience. If you're a Christian person, if you're a person who's pursuing God, you're this is the the path of obedience in your life. It's not, I obey, so I fall in love with God. It's, I fall in love with this thing that's at the deepest part of my life. I understand that it's at the deepest part of my life. It's the thing worth pursuing. And because I do that, it makes me want to be better at life. Oh, this is a great one from Pride and Prejudice. This is a shout out to my wife, Risha. She loves that movie. From Pride and Prejudice, you have bewitched me body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. (laughs) I watch movies like this all the time from my laptop while Risha's watching them. Um, and the thing, the thing that's true about it is Pride and Prejudice, uh, you know, that kind of a movie doesn't quite move me, but I, it's starting to because I love my wife so much and I love that it moves her. Um, and the thing about that quote from Pride and Prejudice, you've bewitched me body and soul it sounds just like jesus to me when he says engaging the divine engaging god the way you want to and the way that god wants you to is to love your love him with all of your heart with all of your mind and with all of your soul every little piece of you pursues that the beginning of the bible in the beginning love created the heaven and the earth think of it that way matthew 5 Jesus stood on a big hill and he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see love. And then he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of love. This is why, as I conclude this thing today, this is why you won't hear me. I, I don't think you're going to hear me create three things about defending your faith. Um, apologetics or the defense of faith, although I understand the importance of it, it's really boring to me. Um, in some ways, I, I do understand the importance of it. Um, the conversation about trying to get other people to believe in God is just boring, honestly. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the movies. I'm tired of the books. Um, I Trying to prove the existence of God is like trying to prove the existence of love. Why would you do that? Why would we have an academic conversation on a whiteboard about this? Not that we couldn't. Not, not that we couldn't have an academic conversation about why, how God created things. My dad's a science teacher who, who is fascinating when he talks about um, his belief in creation. And, um, and all of that stuff is important, I think, but it is not the heart of our walk towards love and our walk towards God. The heart is to experience this thing that we can't prove. The heart is to engage in this thing that is bigger than us. It can't be proven with the five senses. And if somebody tries to prove it to you, they're selling you something. You know what? Maybe the Beatles had it right after all. (laughs) All you need is God. I believe that. And not just in a cheesy preacher, churchy kind of way. I believe that all you need is the pursuit of love. All you need is the pursuit of the thing that is deepest and most true in life and as you pursue it it leads you to the kind of human you want to be engaged in something you can't prove engaged in something that is inarguably the base note of the universe friends may you today today feel love and God in pursuit of you. Wherever you sit, whatever you do today, whatever to-do list you engage in, at the bottom of it, may you understand and feel the pursuit that the divine has for you. May you stop pursuing things yourself that might look like love or that might look like important in your life. At first, but don't fit what you know at the bottom of who you are. Love really is. And that is patient. It's kind. May you not lose perspective today as you go to work or as you go to do your run your errands that, that this thing, love, the divine, God, all the same thing. And it's the truest thing on earth. It's bigger than you. You don't want to understand it. You don't want a God. You don't want a love that you could put your hands around. You need something. You want something that's bigger than you can actually understand. Because if it is, it, it always protects. It always perseveres. It always hopes. And at the midst of everything, three things remain. Faith, which is choosing to believe that there's more to life than what we can see. It's not choosing to believe in a set of religious values. It's not choosing to believe whether how the earth was created. It's not choosing to believe whether there was an ark full of animals. None of those things are faith. Faith is choosing to believe that there is, that there is something bigger than you and pursuing it. Hope is another thing that remains. When everything washes out at the end, one of the things that remains is hope. And that is optimism as the default of your life. That things are headed in a good direction. And will end up there. Because there is someone, something that is in charge. And at their core, they are kind. They are good. And then, of course, the last thing that remains is love god the thing that wraps belief and hope into something that makes sense the thing that's pursuing you it's bigger than you today friends you already know that or you wouldn't have listened to me this long i hope and pray that today you get a touch of the divine that you write your own song